Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you other than feeling a little sick? (laughs) I am doing okay. Um, So yes, to all of you listening, I might be a little bit sniffly or a little bit (laughs) raspy sounding. So I'm sorry for that. I, I get a cold this time of year almost every year and I think it's allergies. So I don't know, just got to move through it, I guess. Yeah. Allergy season is so tough. It's crazy. I know. Not fun. Well, I hope you feel better soon. Yes. It rained today, so I think that's going to help a lot. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I didn't even know allergies were that bad up there, but it it makes sense. I didn't know – well, it's my first spring here too, and since I already get allergies really bad everywhere, I was like – well, the the season here too for blooming – is so much later than in the South. And I'm so, I was like, oh, I think I missed it. And I was like, wait, yeah, we're like a good, (laughs) like solid four weeks, like after I feel like. So I didn't miss it. It was just later than normal. So sad. Um, I know. Oh, well. Well, I hope you start to feel better. I know that sucks. Everything's good over here. I am drinking out of my crazy cat lady mug, which (laughs) Always makes me feel a little crazy, but it's just so cute Um, and it's big. The best thing ever was in whatever meeting we were in a while ago and I like direct messaged you and I was like, is that the cat mug? Because you had your hands around it so that nobody would see what it was. Yeah. Sometimes if I don't feel like my mug should be a conversation starter and everybody in the meeting is like, what's your mug say? I just kind of like, yeah, hide it. <laughs> but Melissa knew. She saw the mug and she's like, that's your crazy cat lady mug. And I'm like, yeah. I love to call Alyssa out in things. I think it's so funny because yes. we like start laughing and it's it's funny. <laughs> I know. It is funny when I start to see myself smile and then you're smiling and <laughs> everyone else in the meeting is just like serious, but you and I are just smiling. I'm like, this uh, is a little obvious. But I don't do it that often, but sometimes it's no. just funny. <laughs> you have to make work fun. So yeah, it's all good. And if it's a mug that'll make me happy, then I'll take it. I agree. Well, we are recording on a Friday, which we don't normally do, but it, it's kind of nice. I have yeah. the like weekend excitement. Mm-hmm. It's so nice outside. So... I'm feeling peppy. Oh, good. I I need you to pass some of that energy over to me. <laughs> I will. I will try my best. All right. Well, today's episode, um, this was your idea, Melissa, and I think it's a really great topic that I can't believe we haven't talked about yet because it's so foundational. Um, but we're going to talk about why emails bounce. Bounces, yes. Well, we've, we've talked about them related to other things. And I have seen, I mean, I think it's something I've seen just since doing this job, I guess, kind of consistently. But I think there's kind of on like the sender's end, there's a little bit of like mystique to like bounces. I don't think it's always super obvious, especially to people who are new to email marketing and like learning how to read some of the data points in their accounts. Uh, I'm not always sure that like bounces are something that makes sense. I think generally we all kind of can assume what a bounce means, but Yeah, I don't know. I thought it would be kind of interesting to just like break it down and talk about it and maybe help people understand, you know, because there's so many, there's so many people involved in 
the process of email sending. So it's not just like one person calling all the shots. So let's start with talking about just in general, like how email sending works. I know we've kind of hit on this before, but in case you forgot or haven't you know, heard that episode. So the email sending process, a lot of people think it's kind of just like a one-click action. And we all use email every day and we're getting email. So we think, you know, once we click send, that email should just go directly right into someone's inbox. But there are so many mechanics going on in the background. And it's actually more like a back and forth conversation between machines. So when you click send, you have a server that's sending out the email. And when you are sending it to someone, they have a server to receive the email. And those servers go back and forth, back and forth. And it starts with your server saying, I want to send an email. And then the receiving server says, okay. And then you say, I want to send it to blah, blah, blah. And the receiving server says, okay. Or they might say, that's not a real email address. Or, you know, at least that's not a valid address any longer. Or maybe it's a full mailbox. There's so many things that can happen there that can cause a bounce. But let's say it's a valid email address. Then your server is going to say, the message is coming from blank, you know, my email address. And at that point, the receiver is either going to say, okay, great, keep going. Or they're going to say, I don't like that email address. Or that email address doesn't have a working MX record. Or that email address um, authentication is failing. There's, again, so many reasons Mm -hmm. why a message could bounce there. And then if the message doesn't bounce there, if everything looks okay, then your server is going to send over all of the content of the emails. And at that point, the receiving server could say, all right, looks good to me. Or they could say, I don't like this content. Maybe it looks like spam or something else that they're mm-hmm. just like, nope, I'm going to reject this content. And so it bounces. So yeah, there's just the gist is that it's not as simple as we think it is. There are so many different steps in the email sending process and so many different chances for the message to bounce. And I that was a really good explanation. And I think a lot of um, senders, like I said, without having like the exact understanding of like the background, I think sometimes senders think that like ConvertKit is making the decision. I mean, at least in my particular scenario, um, that ConvertKit is making the decision to bounce an email or that like something happened technically that went wrong on the ConvertKit side of things that caused an email to bounce, which I can't even think of anything off the top of my head that would actually be like a technicality from ConvertKit's end or any platform. Can you think of anything that would cause a bounce? Yeah, there are a few. Like if the IP address used to send the message is blocklisted. Oh, that's true. That would be on the, on the sender's end. Right. On like our end. Right. But that's why we have a deliverability and compliance team to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. Exactly. Which is why I didn't even think of that one because we're <laughs> already doing that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so rare. That's actually a really great sign that you didn't even think about that as a reason because it's like, oh, we don't really see that happen. Like if I were to see it, I would be like, oh, but yeah, since yeah. that doesn't really happen very often, um, I didn't That's even great. think of that as a reason. But <laughs> it is like a very kind of a complicated process because even when like I'm digging into like the servers to see, you know, what the bounce reason is even those can be very vague. Yeah, exactly. That's such an interesting part about bounces that Mm -hmm. I think also a lot of 
you know, senders don't realize. So Right, because they're not seeing that information. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of that email conversation I just talked about where there's a back and forth, essentially that receiver that you're sending to, their server is going to come back and either say delivered or they're going to say bounced. And um, that's the end of the conversation. So if they say delivered, it means they have taken the message. It's now out of ConvertKit's hands or whatever sender you're using. It's out of their hands. It's in the hands of, you know, Gmail, Microsoft, whoever is receiving it. They might put it in the inbox. They might put it in spam. It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. You don't get any more details after that. So if they don't deliver the message, um, if it's not delivered or accepted, then it's bounced. And they, again, like you're saying, Melissa, they have a reason that they Mm -hmm. give. But there is no, I mean, there are like bounce codes Mm -hmm. that are kind of standardized. But for the most part, when it comes to the bounce reason, there's no standardization. I wish there was. Mm -hmm. But they could say anything back. And we see that whenever we're helping people with bounces. Sometimes they're super descriptive, which is really helpful, where it says message bounce due to DMARC policy or message bounced because spam content or, um, you know, invalid address. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. But sometimes it can say rejected (laughs) or, you know, bounced. And it's like, okay, can you give us more info? But um, that's all we get. So that is just something to be aware of. If you are a sender of emails and you're wondering why messages are bouncing, sometimes there is really good detail given about why the message bounced. But oftentimes... Sometimes uh, there's no detail. Mm-hmm. It's just just a bounce. Yeah. So we've talked about, you know, how the bounces work, but let's talk about the different kinds of bounces. Um, and you might have heard of this terminology before, but there are soft bounces and there are hard bounces. There are also things called like deferrals, which maybe we'll get into um, as well. But for the most part, a soft bounce is like a temporary bounce, at least that's the goal, is that it's a temporary bounce. And um, a hard bounce is a more permanent bounce. So some soft bounce examples would be things like the mailbox is full, or um, they didn't like the content of the message, they thought it looked spammy. Usually that's a soft bounce because it's, you know, they're hoping that the next message you send won't look spammy. They're kind of giving you another chance there. Another potential soft bounce reason is, you know, their server's busy, so they couldn't accept the message, something like that. Mm -hmm. But hard bounces are more permanent. So that's things like invalid email addresses, things like authentication failure, usually DMARC failure, and the policy is really strict, like P equals reject. Mm -hmm. That might have sounded like gibberish, but um, essentially just means If your message isn't authenticated properly, it could cause hard bounces. So yeah, just a thing to keep in mind, I guess, is that some bounces are temporary while others are more permanent and usually indicate that the um, subscriber is not able to receive messages from you. But if you see a high number of those hard bounces Mm -hmm. all at once, that's a sign that maybe something else is going on unless you just emailed a really unhealthy list it's kind of surprising to see any, you know, high rate of hard bounces, you know, greater than 5%, I would say is pretty elevated. So um, if that happens to you, make sure to look into your authentication um, or take a look and see what else could be going on. If you use ConvertKit, you can reach out to us, of course. But if you don't use ConvertKit, you can reach out to your ESP and see if they can help you dive into that. 
I also have had customers reach out before and ask if they should delete their bounce subscribers. Mm. And the answer to that that I normally give is no, because it actually makes it a lot more difficult to figure out what's going on if you have deliverability issues. So if you see bounced subscribers, just know um, they are no longer active on your list and they're not hurting you. Well, they're not hurting you by being there on the bounced list. They might be hurting your deliverability in some other way, but um, just having them existing there isn't going to hurt you. So you don't need to delete them. Um, And in fact, it actually helps us if you reach out and we need to do like an audit or something, we can look into, you know, why that might be happening. So just in case that someone needs to hear it, don't delete your bounce subscribers. (laughs) Yes, that's such a good point. It definitely makes things harder when trying to diagnose issues. So let's just get right to the best practices because that's what you're here for. Mm -hmm. So probably thinking, how can I reduce bounces? Or maybe first, let's um, just have a brief talk about like, why should you care about bounces? So if you send to a list that results in high bounces often, and you're not taking care of those bounces and suppressing them from your list, it can cause deliverability issues. So be sure that you are um, taking the best steps we're about to talk about in order to reduce bounces. Um, Because if someone like Gmail, for example, sees like, oh, this person, they keep emailing bounce subscribers over and over and over. Even though we've told them this is an invalid subscriber, that's going to look really bad and hurt your sender reputation. Mm -hmm. If you're using an ESP like ConvertKit, typically we, I mean, ConvertKit definitely will automatically suppress those bounces for you. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be emailing them over and over. This advice is mostly for people who are kind of using their own setup, doing their own thing. Um, Make sure you are managing those bounces and you're not sending to them once they have bounced. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. We'll get into the recommendations now. So do you want to talk about this first one? Yeah, sure. So Uh, Something that I definitely have seen um, customers will reach out and ask about why they have a high bounce rate and we will go look at their forms and on their website and there will be some kind of reason why people are not putting their real address. So let's say, you know, I've had this happen to me so many times where you go to a website and you're like, oh, I'm really interested in this content. And then a box pops up and says, enter your email and there's no X to click out of the box. And so, or they make it super small or something like that. And I don't even think people sometimes realize from like a subscriber standpoint, like how frustrating that is. And also sometimes don't realize that it's happening. So it's important that's, you know, for anything, just to double check, pretend you're a subscriber, go to your webpage, make sure that everything checks out. Even um, one thing on mobile, especially, sometimes mobile can be really frustrating But people will oftentimes put in a fake address if they are trying to get out of that and those will bounce. So definitely, and I'm trying to think, um, I think your coffee shop one is also a really good example. If you are at a coffee shop and they're like, oh, you want to use our Wi-Fi, enter your email address. Those are notorious for fake addresses. So anything like that, that makes people feel like they have to add one when they don't want to is never like the best option. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. I actually, this last week, worked at a coffee shop that has a really nice patio. Mm. And it was so frustrating. I connected to the Wi-Fi and you had to either give them your email address or log into your Facebook account, oh. which I didn't want to do either. Hated that. There was no other like option. So I definitely gave a fake 
email address that is going to bounce. It could even be a spam trap. Who knows? I didn't mean for it to be, but um, like, I'm not the only person doing that. And I know how damaging that is, you know, for them, but I don't, I don't want to receive their emails. So um, anyways, that's definitely a huge no-no. Essentially, anytime you're collecting subscribers, ask yourself, like, are these people here because they want to receive Mm -hmm. my emails? If the answer is no, don't do it. We've said this before um, with like sweepstakes and contests and things. Those are great ways to get a large amount of subscribers at once. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's very true. But also it's a way to get a lot of low value subscribers at once that could end up causing more damage that makes it harder for you to reach your subscribers who actually want to be there. So exactly. The reason people sign up for your list shouldn't be some sort of trick or, you know, I hope I win a car or vacation or whatever. Um, it should be, I want to receive these, this person's emails. Mm-hmm. Like that should be mm-hmm. it. Um, so that's a good way to make sure you are avoiding bounces by having um, really gibberish, bad email addresses. Right. Um, one thing Melissa and I did recently, we saw somebody's account was having this issue and we were just searching like, cuss words oh yeah in their list and that is one quick way to know that this is happening to you mm-hmm. so I, it's vulgar but if you search the f word on your list and you see a ton of email addresses that are like f you f, yeah. f off, whatever <laughs> then it's like they did not want to be on your list like figure out where they signed up and make sure that gets fixed because um that's gonna hurt you well and even like i said with the the small x like i think pop-ups like modals are great. They can be really helpful. But when when they happen too quickly or when they happen like 10 at a time, that's really distracting from the content that I want to look at. So even if I don't sign up to be on the list like the first time, that doesn't mean that I won't sign up eventually. But I would be very deterred from signing up if a lot of these different things were happening to me right away. So I think that's the other thing too. Like if you have valuable content and people come to read it for, you know, based on need. Typically, I think it would be encouraging to sign up to something like that. But if you're like totally bombarding them with forms that don't go away or forcing people to add their email address, it's just going to be a not good fit as a subscriber all around. Yeah, that's so good. So another um, recommendation might be kind of straightforward is just don't send to super old lists. Mm -hmm. I would say a super old list would be really any list that hasn't been contacted in a year or Mm -hmm. more is likely going to hurt you just because naturally people's email addresses become invalid over time. Uh, Those people might've forgotten who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we're just talking about bounces, there's a good chance that list has gone bad. So I would recommend not emailing a list that's just been sitting Mm -hmm. in collecting dust. I think people underestimate this one a little bit because they, some people have really, really old email addresses and the the domain doesn't even exist anymore, but they're still functional. So there are people like that. And then there are people who have created about a thousand addresses and they don't use it anymore. And they've, like you said, Mm -hmm. they're invalid. When we were listening to the Inbox Expo conference, someone had a great, I would have to look up the speaker at the time, but they had a great example of this, which was just think about if you had a really old list and you started sending to them and it was like getting closer to marketing for the holidays, 
People work really hard on their deliverability, especially before the holiday season, because they want to have the best deliverability possible. And when you start sending to people who might bounce or complain or, you know, we're focusing on bounces right now, but for any of those reasons that could cause poor deliverability, um, you don't want to have that happen like right before your most important time of the year. So I just thought that was interesting. I had never thought about it from like a time perspective like that, where like, let's say you acquire somehow an old list because you bought a company and you're like, oh, like this is, you know, I did this the right way. These people want to receive emails related to this company or whatever, but you don't have the history for those people. And maybe they haven't heard from you in two years or something. That's not going to end well for you if you're trying to send to an entire list, like right before the biggest marketing time of the year. So anyways, I just thought that was a really interesting example that I had never really thought about before. Yeah. Definitely. That's a good one. I know it's hard for people who really want to send to those people, but um, I would say not worth it. That's, I I still wouldn't recommend that you don't do it, but if you're not going to listen to me, I would say at least run it through a (laughs) list validation tool. All that can tell you is who is valid and who is invalid. So that will reduce bounces, but it's not going to tell you how engaged people are, you know, will be, how high quality they mm-hmm. are. So you're going to have a bunch of other issues most likely, but at least they'll help you with the bounces, which is what we're focusing on today. Okay, next one, um, kind of a simple one, but I would say to avoid collecting emails on pen and paper if you can to reduce mistakes. If you need to collect email addresses in person, highly recommend just setting up an iPad and putting your form up there. Or, I mean, any kind of survey, you know, you can make that really easy. You can collect email addresses all kinds of ways. But if you have a sign-up form, like a landing page or something, just pull it up on an iPad or direct people to do that on their phone, you know, COVID times especially. But pen and paper signups tend to, you know, people have messy handwriting. I know I do. And we tend to, you know, think an I is an L or something and have a typo and then put it into our system wrong. Mm-hmm. And so um, that can usually just cause more bounces if that's how you're collecting subscribers. I've seen this question quite a bit too, which is funny, but um, I have asked people before like, hey, I've noticed that you have a higher bounce rate. Like how did you collect subscribers? And this was probably more before obviously COVID, but it was that exact reason like coaches or people that attended like conferences they did collect their li- some of their lists, some subscribers by pen and paper. And I do think that that's like, again, kind of, you would think like, oh, well, you can make mistakes when you type it in too, which obviously you can, but it is very difficult to read handwriting sometimes. Um, and I've definitely seen that be a factor in elevated bounce rate. Yep, for sure. Next one, uh, we definitely talked about this a couple weeks ago, but make sure if you are joining a new email provider, you don't reactivate all of your bounced subscribers. So make sure Mm -hmm. if you do bring them into your new email provider, they are like in an opt-out status or inactive somehow. Mm -hmm. The next one is what I think I see probably, I would say, well, I shouldn't say most often, but pretty close, um, which is if you add a DMARC record, make sure you're passing, which we kind of just talked about a little bit. And without getting too in the weeds, if you want more information on authentication, we have an entire episode from season one, which is pretty helpful in explaining all of the ins and outs of that. But sometimes a sender, I I see this probably with like senders that have a new domain more often, I would say. And I don't know if like a lot of, you might know the answer to this, Alyssa. I don't know if a lot of hosts like 
if there's something these days that says like, hey, do you want to add a DMARC record to your domain? Because I think people don't always realize what they're signing up for when they do that. But I don't know also if they just go in and click on it. So I've wondered that though, because people have been like, <laughs> oh, I didn't know I had a DMARC record. So I was like, hmm, maybe hosts are like pushing DMARC records or something. I don't know. Yeah, my hypothesis is it's people who hire someone to set up their their website, like a they hire a web developer or something. It seems like those developers just like put a DMARC, DMARC record yeah. on without checking. I don't know if they don't understand exactly what it's doing. A lot of people just hear, oh, DMARC is good for safety mm-hmm. and security, whatever. It is. It definitely is. But you can't just throw it on there uh, without knowing what you're doing. And that's definitely when you will see bounces. Right. But yeah, so you just want to make sure if you, you know, we've talked about multiple times, I think, actually, about how to pull the headers of your message. And if you do that, you can see if you are passing SPF, DKIM, and DMARC. And if there is an issue, you can reach out to um, your deliverability team for whatever platform you're using, and they should be able to help direct you in the right, you know, information to get your messages to pass authentication. Yeah. One um, tricky caveat there is just that if messages are bouncing because of DMARC, then you're not going to have a message to pull the headers from. Very true. So one way, if you want to check and see if you have a DMARC record on your address, I usually use the website Demartian Mm -hmm. uh, or DMARC I-A-N. So if you spell it out, it's D-M-A-R-C-I-A-N. I can't remember if it's .com or .net. Let me see. I think it's .com. I have it. It is. Yeah. Yes. .com. It's so helpful. Yes. So you just put in your address there. And there's tons of websites where you can do this. I just use mm-hmm. this one a lot. But um, you can put in your domain there. And it's going to pop up and tell you if you have a DMARC record or not. And if you do, how strict it is. Mm-hmm. So if you do have a DMARC record and it pops up and it says P equals reject, that means your messages will be bounced unless you're passing DMARC. Again, I don't want to get too in the weeds, but essentially if you're a ConvertKit customer, you have to have a verified sending domain to pass DMARC. So a lot of people get those steps a bit wrong and they set up a strict DMARC record without having a verified sending domain and it causes a ton of bounces. Mm-hmm. So if that's happening to you, go set up a verified sending domain or remove the DMARC record if you don't need it. Obviously, DMARC records are really good for security and safety. Um, We've just found that if you don't send enough emails, sometimes setting up a verified sending domain can actually hurt your deliverability. So it's all a lot. You can reach out to us anytime for help. And just to clarify, Alyssa, if they wanted to set it to P equals none Mm -hmm. without setting up a VSD, that would be okay too. Yes. So you would still fail DMARC, but if your policy is none, it essentially means uh, that you can fail DMARC and nothing will happen. So that could be a place to start maybe initially and then. For sure. And the helpful thing is that with DMARC, if any messages fail DMARC, um, you will get an email to the email that you set up to receive DMARC reports. So that's a good way for you to see where are emails being sent from your domain. Mm-hmm. Are there any being sent from spammers who are spoofing your address? Or are they all coming from inside the house, you know, things that you've approved? Right. That's the goal. And then you can make sure all of those places get DMARC compliant. And once all your emails are passing, are able to pass DMARC, then you can go ahead and flip the switch and make it more strict if you Mm -hmm. want to. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. P equals none is a great, great setting. Yeah. I I usually recommend that to people when they first ask about it just because – Especially like you said, if they're not sending enough mail or 
worried about how using a VSD will affect their sending. This is a whole other topic, but it's a helpful tidbit. For sure. That's a really good episode idea, actually, is um, if you should or shouldn't set up a verified sending domain. Mm. Because that I feel like that comes up quite often. Yeah, it does, definitely. Cool. Well, I think we've covered the basics. Obviously, like we've said before, this all can get so much more technical and deep, and there are, are thousands of bounce reasons, but we are hoping to serve creators and people who just need to know what they need to know. Right. We know you don't have a ton of time in your day to be deliverability experts. Um, so we hope that at least these best practices are helpful in reducing your bounces and improving your deliverability. And as a another note, another helpful tip is if you do have a subscriber who is experiencing a soft bounce, um, you can ask them to add your sending address to their allow list. And sometimes that can be helpful. It's just a good deliverability practice. I usually always recommend that along with any information I can provide about the bounce. So that's just something that I thought of now. Cool. Nice tip. Alrighty. I hope you all have a great week. Please tune in next week and see what we're talking about then. Who knows? All right. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.